All righty. Okay. So uh, uh, let's start here in uh, Hebrews chapter, uh, we're going chapter 9. And like I say, remember, you could, you could read Hebrews yourself in just probably an hour. You could have finished it. Some people can read faster or whatever, but I'm telling you, so much you could get out of it on your own. And, of course, it certainly <clears throat> was never intended to scare anybody. It's not. It's called good news. Okay, so let's go. Hebrews chapter 9. We'll start right here. And let's watch this. He says, uh, let me get this out of the way here. He says, oh, Israel, my people. I mean, Romans. How could we be so far off? Hold on. I was going to say, that didn't sound like Hebrews. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 9. Of course, I could have just went right along and preached that, couldn't I? Okay. Oh, Hebrews chapter 9. Let's make sure it stays now. All right. Now, in that first agreement between God and His people, there were rules for worship and there was a sacred tent down here on earth. That was called the Ark of the Covenant. And they were carrying that thing out in the wilderness. Moses and Aaron and, and the Levites, they were, they were carrying that thing and the people followed this little tent thing. This is going to be great information. Because a lot of this has to do with a lot of our churches. You'll see a table, and they'll call it the table of the Lord. And we try to, you know, bring some of these things to remind us. So he says, inside this place of worship, there were two rooms. And this is so basic. It's not like, oh my goodness, I wonder how the Jews... Chapter 9 is going to paint a perfect picture of the temple. It really will. Here it is. There were two rooms. Pretty easy house. Living room, dining room type thing. Watch this. The first one contained the golden candlestick and a table with special loaves of holy bread upon it. This was called the holy place. Notice it had, and we have here, we've, I've got candles here on this table. I don't have a loaf of bread. But that loaf of bread and those candles and the candle, in the Old Testament it was referred to the table of His presence. Now that's kind of neat. Now remember, this is for everybody. So the table of His presence was to let me know that He was there. Now if you live near Jerusalem... And you glanced over there and you saw where the temple was because Solomon built a temple. You knew the presence of the Lord was there. Now, it didn't just mean the presence of the Lord was, uh, was there and you had nothing to do with it. That meant He was your God and He's with you. And so, for God to let us know that His presence is with us is valuable. But now, what's even what more wonderful today is that we don't have to go to a building and know that that's where the presence of the Lord is. Oh, He's actually present with us today. And that's the reason he's saying this is all going to go away right here in this chapter. So he says one part contained the golden candlestick and the table with the special loaves of holy bread. Uh, now how many remember that Jesus said man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. Remember that? Uh, Jesus said that because the people were getting upset that the disciples were doing something on the Sabbath day. And Jesus said, did you not read that David, when he was hungry, he and his men... Now remember, David was not just playing his harp, writing Christian music. No! He was a king, and he was running. Well, at the time he wasn't king, but he was running from King Saul. And his soldiers and him were starving. And guess what they did? They marched right into the place where the holy bread was, and they made them some peanut butter sandwiches. And David, I mean, God, Jesus, that's God, anyway. Jesus said it was okay. Hallelujah. I think some people today would just choke over that. And that's because they don't know Jesus. Now, what is it we know about Jesus? Jesus got real mad at some people one time when, when they were mad that Jesus was visiting with sinners and tax collectors and publicans. And Jesus turned right around to that crowd and he said, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. And you need to remember that, that God is going to have mercy 
towards you, always. So anyway, inside this place of worship, there's two rooms. One contains the candlestick like we have and the special loaves of holy bread upon it. I guess we'd have to get a cinnamon roll and stick it on there, but that would work. There, then there was a certain, there was a curtain, and behind the curtain was called the Holy of Holies. I'd be like behind here. Now, y'all can't come back here. Now, that's very important. Come on in. Uh, there was another secret place back here. Now, this is so wonderful. Uh, uh, but anyway, in that room was the golden incense altar and the golden chest. So that's what it, that was the actual Ark of the Covenant. Now, this is so neat. You, can, you don't have to be a Bible scholar or anything. You just need to know. go read the book of Hebrews. And you'll, you'll, it lays it out. There was a golden incense altar and a golden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, completely covered on all sides with pure gold. And that's because Moses was told to do that, okay? Inside the Ark was, here's the, the tablets of stones. So you don't have to be a preacher to know this. You read your Bible. There was the Ten Commandments written on them and a golden jar with some manna in it. That was the... Food that fell down from heaven, you know, bread. And Aaron's wooden cane that budded. Boy, that was a miracle, you know. It's supposed to be, it's like you cut off a tree and it's laying there dead and there's no roots whatsoever and you see it dry up and it's a stick and let's just lay it on concrete. Ain't no way it's connected to the ground. All of a sudden, it starts sprouting. Well, that's what was in there. Anyway, I I will tell you this. There's a story in the Old Testament that the Canaanites uh, attacked the Jews one time, and the Jews were not worshiping God. It was terrible. Back in the book of Judges. And they, uh, they captured the ark. No, excuse me, it was in 1 Samuel. Anyway, and, uh, <laughs> anyway, they captured that ark, and they thought, we got something good. And they hauled it off. And I'll tell you what, they stuck that ark. This is so funny. They stuck that ark. This is in 1 Samuel. They took the ark of the covenant, and they marched it over to their god called Dagon. <laughs> and they put the ark right there, and they said, don't that look pretty? Right next to uh, the, their god, Dagon. Well, guess what happened in the morning? Dagon was a big, tall statue, and in the morning, it fell over. <laughs> it was laying there dead, and they were like, what happened here? Then some bad things started happening to the Canaanites, because uh, that's part of the holy of holies, and nobody was supposed to be near it. And so that's why it says here there was two rooms. In that room was the golden incense. Okay, in that, ta- in that place. All right, verse 5. Above the golden chest were statues of angels. Now, I love statues of angels, and I think we all should because it reminds us whether you're at Walmart, you're at a Cracker Barrel or whatever, and uh, oh, whatever, they're just angels. You know, and you could talk about angels being men only or women. It doesn't matter. Just, just know there's angels. I'm just glad they are. You know, praise the Lord. But anyway, they're on our side, Okay. But anyway, uh, there's angels that are carved out above the cherubim. When Solomon built his temple, uh, these angels stretched out. They give you the lengths of them, and they were stretched from one side, wing spread all the way to the other, and the tips of the other one, there were two of them, and right in the tips of the two of them was the Ark of the Covenant right there. Okay, it's interesting. This is all right here. And you know, this is the simplicity of the way God wanted us to understand about the temple. And remember, we've already read in chapter 8 that this was a pattern of heaven. So it's really simple. Okay, watch this. Anyway, and so their wings stretched out over the ark's golden cover called the mercy seat. Hmm, it's kind of like a pirate's chest there, however you want to think about it. There's a chest there. It's covered with gold. Inside there is what? The tables of stone, the Ten Commandments, uh, uh, some manna in a jar. And then there was uh, the the rod that uh, budded. That was Aaron's. Okay, now here's what happened. Oh, 
He says, but enough of such details. Verse 6. Well, when all was ready, the priests went in and out, notice this, of the first room whenever they wanted to doing their work. All the time. They could come out here all the time. There's a curtain behind me here. All year long, they come in and out here. But only once a year did somebody go behind this curtain. Only once a year. And even then, watch this. All alone and all... Well, excuse me, back up. But only the high priest went into the inner room and only then once a year. All alone, look at this. And always with the blood that he sprinkled on the mercy seat as an offering to cover... Now, he's the high priest. His own mistakes and the sins and mistakes of all the people. You know, this was a yearly thing. I tell you, I've just had it with people just choking over their mistakes and thinking heaven is about to fall apart. In other words, when you get saved, you are never, ever, 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 ever to make another mistake. That is so ridiculous. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. Guess what? Just three verses away from that, going right into the second chapter, 1 John chapter 2, it says, If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You know what advocate means? It means attorney. It means high priest. If you blow it, don't worry about it. We should just be happy, praise the Lord. Matter of fact, that's what David said in Psalm, in Psalm 32. He says, blessed is the man whose sins are covered. He's blessed. No, he's in time out. God don't like him no more. No, he's blessed because he knows he made a mistake. But God took care of it. So anyway, the high priest went into the inner room and only then once a year, all alone and always with the blood that he sprinkled on the mercy seat as an offering to God to cover his own mistakes and the sins and the mistakes of the sins of all the people. Now, I have heard traditionally that they said they used to tie a rope around the high priest's leg. I don't know if they do that or not. So in other words, when he went in there in case something went wrong, they could just drag him out of there. I don't know if that's true or not, but I have heard that. Verse 8, and the Holy Spirit uses this to point out to us. Now, what's the, what's the Holy Spirit trying to teach us? There's two rooms. We, the, the, the other priest can come and go in this one. Of course, we can't, but the priest can and then nobody but one goes behind there. What are we supposed to learn? The Holy Spirit uses this to point out to us that under the old system, the common people, that's us, could not go into the Holy of Holies as long as the outer room uh, and the entire system it represents were still in use. Well, then what happened? Well, I want to remind you a little story when Jesus was hanging on the cross. The Bible says when he died, remember that? When he died, there was an earthquake. There was darkness over the land. Then there was an earthquake. And then the scripture says this. It says the veil in the temple was cut. It was broken. It was torn from top to bottom. Why did that make scripture? The old way of doing business was fixing to be over with. And notice what he said. The Holy Spirit. Uh, it's important lesson for us for under the old system. Uh, or uh, I went too far. Let me back up. He's, remember he said that phrase about the common people. There it is. The common people could not go into the Holy of Holies. Well, I have a new religion. I don't ever want the common people going in there. Yes, God has a new one for us. He wants us in there. That's, the, that's so fantastic. Throw yourself back in creation. Genesis chapter 1. God created the heavens and the earth. And then what did He do? God did it. He created all the animals and everything. He created everything so wonderful. And the last thing He created was man. Man was in fellowship with God in the garden. And then something happened later and that ruined it all. So you can see, God just brought us back through Jesus is what was happening here. 
Okay, so here we are. Uh, verse 9. This has an important lesson for us today. For under the old system, gifts and sacrifices were offered, but these failed to cleanse the hearts of the people who brought them. For the old system dealt only with certain rituals, what foods to eat and drink, and rules for washing themselves, and rules about this and that. Isn't that something? Because that's what we've heard about. We, some people we even talk to today, well, I'm not ready to come to Jesus because there's so many rules. I mean, I, you need to just look at them and say, "You look, you need to come to Jesus. What rules are you talking about? Anyway. The people had the rules for washing themselves and about this and that. The people had to keep these rules to tide them over until Christ came with God's new and better way. See, that was the reason for some of the Old Testament things that looked like it was so very difficult. It was to just hold us over until Jesus got here. Okay, verse 11. He came as a high priest of this better system that we now have. He went into that greater Perfect tabernacle in heaven. Oh, whoa, 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 I'm I'm lost. Wait a minute. You were describing a tabernacle down here that had two rooms. Yes, but remember, it was a pattern of heaven. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he actually went to heaven and took his blood. This is what he says. Oh, so he went into that greater perfect tabernacle in heaven, not made by men, nor part of this world. And once for all took blood into that inner room, the Holy of Holies, and sprinkled it on the mercy seat. But it was not the blood of goats and calves. No, he took his own blood and with it by himself made sure of our eternal salvation. He made sure of it. Makes you wonder when, but I think the time was, remember when he rose from the dead, Mary went there, she's looking for him and she's crying. She doesn't see him. She sees an angel over there. And the angel says, he's not here. He's risen. And he's, the angel said, why are you crying? Anyway, Jesus sneaks up behind her. And, uh, and he says, who are you looking for? And she says, well, if you're the gardener, you know, if you'll just tell me where you laid him, I'll go get him. And Jesus says to her, Mary. And when she heard the word Mary, she recognized his voice. And the Bible says that she knelt down and clinged to him and said, Rabbi. And then Jesus said something very important. He says, handle me not. Now he said, touch me not. He says, I have not yet ascended to my Father. But yet, just moments later in the Scriptures, He appears in a room and He says, handle me, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. So somewhere it seemed like between there, because it wasn't just because of the women. I don't want any women folk touching me. No, that didn't matter. didn't matter. He had gone, just like the Scripture says, into heaven and presented His blood for you and I. Wow. Okay, verse 13. And if under the old system the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a young cow could cleanse men's bodies from sin, just think how much more surely the blood of Christ will transform our lives and hearts. His sacrifice frees us from the worry. Uh-oh, look at this. Frees us from the worry of having to obey the old rules and makes us want to serve the living God. We're not under a bunch of rules. We're not. Anyway, for by the help of the eternal Holy Spirit, Christ willingly gave Himself to God to die for our sins. He being perfect without a single sin or fault. Somehow we think that's supposed to be us. We're supposed to be without a single sin or fault. Well, then Jesus died ridiculously for no reason. We just kind of learn how to clean up our own act. Truth is, we can't do that. We've got to have Jesus. Verse 15. Christ came with this new agreement so that all who are invited may come and have forever all the... I'm about to choke here. Is this true? All who are invited, that's us, 
have forever all the wonders God... I thought it was just wonder. You know, we can go to heaven. All we get is forgiveness of sins. No, it's not either. Wonders. You have miracles that all belong to you. Wow, promise to them. For Christ died to rescue them. Look at this. How many times do you feel like you're getting what you deserve? Well, I got what I deserve. I mean, I sinned, I blew it, I got what I deserve. Look what this says. Christ died to rescue them from the penalty of their sins. You have got to get that in your thinking. Or you're going to be defeated. You'll think, oh, got a little arthritis here. I guess, you know, if, I, if I'd just been a better Christian, you know, I think if I'd been a better Christian, you know, that probably wouldn't have started so early, whatever. Quit thinking that way. Mm-mm. Don't. Think like David did. Psalm 103. He forgives all my iniquities, heals all my diseases. It was all my application to become a Christian. What do you mean application? David said, forget none of his benefits. You've got benefits in Jesus. You don't have to go up there and say, now, Lord, I've been a good Christian. I have been a good Christian. And please, 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 please take this this nagging pain out of my hand. Just just please, I promise. You don't have to promise anything. Jesus promised to help you. Anyway, for Christ died to rescue them from the penalty of their sins they had committed while they were still under that old system. Now, if someone dies and leaves a will, hey, we're familiar with this. If someone dies and leaves a will, a list of things to be given away uh, to certain people when he dies. No one gets anything until it's proved that the person who wrote the will is dead. Now, remember, we were talking about the earthly tabernacle here, the bread and the loaves, and then behind this thing here. But Jesus didn't go to the earthly one. He went to the heavenly one. So wait a minute. We're going to have to prove somebody died. That's where he's getting to. It's interesting. Look at that. A list of things. We're only talking about forgiveness and going to heaven. No, we're not. Mercy. Verse 17. The will goes into effect only after the death of the person who wrote it. That's the reason you have somebody, what do they call that guy? You know, he says, yep, he's dead. You know, He signs off on it. Forgot the name of that fellow, whatever it is. He says, that guy's dead. Well, the reason they claim he's dead is so that they can give that you know, to the office of the probate and then go ahead and issue forth the will. Okay. All right, here we go. Uh, while he is still alive, no one can use uh, no one can use it to get any of those things he has promised them. Verse eighteen. That's why the blood of sprinkling. Some people are so worried. Well, I mean, I don't understand the blood. I don't understand why we have to have a bloody Jesus. If Grandpa doesn't die, his will for you to collect the farm is never going to happen. You've got to prove he died. <gasps> blood. And the same thing Moses did in the Old Testament. Uh, chapters, I think it's, well, we're going to get to it. Chapter t- actually, it's chapter 10, yeah. Uh, chapter 10, Moses took uh, hyssops, that's just like an oak leaf or whatever, and dipped it in cow's blood, sprinkled the, blo- the, the altar, sprinkled the book, and sprinkled all the people. You went home with a blood stain on you. Why did you have a blood stain on you? It showed you that there was a will went into effect. But thank God. Do you see the mercy of God? God didn't say, well, you have to give up every one of your firstborn kids. No, you don't either. The life of a lamb was taken. You didn't have to die. Boy, the grace and mercy of God. I mean, wouldn't you give your right arm for Jesus? Well, I mean, for all these blessings. We don't have to do that. uh, Jesus did it all. Anyway, so verse 19. Well, actually, here it is. I was getting right to it. 
Uh, that's why the blood of sprinkling, as proof of Christ's death, before even the first agreement could go into effect, after, here it is, after Moses had given all the people all the laws, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water, sprinkled the blood over the book, God's laws, and over all the people. Look, Mommy, I got that red stuff on me. And Mommy would have said, you know why you got that on you, son or daughter? That tells you that God is with you forever, and God will help you forever. If you ever need God, He's going to help you. He'll help you. It was an agreement. It was not, well, you got that blood on you. You better not ever sin. It had nothing to do with that. We were full of mistakes. And we're still going to make mistakes today. Well, we have the blood. It's going to help us. After Moses had given the law, the book of the people, all of God's laws, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water, sprinkled the blood over the book of God's laws and over all the people, using the branches of hyssop bushes and scarlet wool to sprinkle them. Sprinkle them. Then he said, this is the blood that marks the beginning of the agreement between you and God. The agreement, notice it said you and God. It didn't say, well, the priest and God, and you're lucky if the priest is your friend. No, it was an agreement between you and God. We just had a high priest to help us. He was on God's staff 24-7 to make sure you were okay between you and God. So much we can learn here. Verse 20, then he said, this is the blood that marks the beginning of the agreement between you and God, the agreement that God commanded me to make with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the sacred tent and on whatever instruments that were used to worship. Boy, I tell you, that place was a mess. So the, the table here was covered with sprinkled stained blood. And then behind the holies of holies and all those cherubim, they were sprinkled, 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 sprinkled with blood. Man, when you know that, you're like, hallelujah, I'm welcome there. Because Jesus, when he went into heaven himself, it's covered with his blood. You are so welcome. And that's where we're heading. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Okay, so verse 21. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the sacred tent and on whatever instruments that were used for worship. Verse 22. In fact, we can say that under the old agreement, almost everything was cleansed by sprinkling it with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So what do you reckon? Did Jesus die on the cross or not? He did die on the cross. Well, if he died on the cross, there's forgiveness of sins. You ought to wear that cross proudly. Pull it out and go, thank God I'm forgiven. <laughs> you are. Verse 23. That's why the sacred tent down here on earth and everything in it all copied from things in heaven. All had to be made pure by Moses in this way by being sprinkled with the blood of animals. We preachers call this types and shadows. When Moses was sprinkling all the people, it was a foreshadowing of Jesus putting his blood over all of us. It really was. Oh, now look at this. So, but the real things in heaven, do you know heaven's real? It's not fake. The real things in heaven, of which things down here are copies, were made pure with far more precious offerings. Well, were they? It was the blood of Jesus. Verse 24, For Christ entered into heaven itself, and we're almost done with this chapter, and we'll stop. For Christ entered into heaven itself to appear now before God. Can you imagine that day? You know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God's up there, and here comes Jesus. He just died on that cross. And here comes Jesus. Oh, they knew this day was coming. Because God is trying to get His people back, and He can't. There's been a barrier. Nobody could come to the bread of His presence. You know, nobody could. And here comes Jesus, and boy, He's putting blood everywhere. Blood's all over the cherubim. Blood's all over the holy place, the mercy seat. So anyway, Christ entered into heaven itself to appear now before God as our, uh-oh, I'm going to choke again, our friend, 
Oh, come on. We can't let people think they can be the friend of God. Well, the Scripture says uh, Abraham was the friend of God. Everything you read in the Bible is supposed to be for you. Well, I can't be God's friend. I mean, I've made mistakes. Hello! What's Jesus doing with that blood? Your mistakes. You are His friend. And I remember Phil and I were singing that song at the Emmaus meeting. I am a friend of God. That's the truth, Phil. I am a friend of God. Woo! Yeah. All right, anyway. It was not in the earthly place of worship that he did this, for that was merely a copy of the real temple in heaven. Wow! Verse 25. Nor has he offered himself again and again as high priest down here on earth offers animal blood in the holies of holies each year. In other words, Jesus keeps going in there every year. No, he did it once. He did it once. If that had been necessary, he would have had to die again and again. Well, I tell you what, this was eternal. This is the end of it right here. Watch this. Since the world began. But no, he came once for all at the end, in this instant, end of the age. In other words, at the perfect time. It was a plan. To put away, oh my goodness, the power of sin forever. By dying for us. Now notice it says the power of sin. Do you remember Romans chapter 7? Paul says, I want to do right, but I don't do right. I really want to do right, but I can't do right. So quit putting yourself under condemnation thinking that, well, if I just, I, 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 went, uh, I went a whole day without making a mistake. I went a whole year without doing whatever you think the worst thing you've ever done. You know, Please. Trust Jesus to help you with the things that are going on in your life. You're putting yourself under, you're rewriting your own New Testament when you start doing that. Don't do that. Anyway, he put away the power of sin forever by dying for us. Not you. You had nothing to do with it. Verse 27. And just as it is destined that men die only once. See, the King James says it is appointed of the man to die and after that the judgment. Sort of scary. But guess what this is all based on? Would that verse scare you? If you had read the whole chapter, but I've heard preacher after preacher say, it's appointed unto men once to die, and after that, the judgment. When you pass out of this life, you're going to meet God. You know, you kill that terrorist. Yeah, remember we'd make jokes about that? Yeah, meet your maker, buddy. When I meet my maker, according to this, I'm going to be fine, and you're going to be fine too. Just as it is destined that men die only once and after that comes judgment, comma, so also Christ died also once as an offering for the sins of many people. And He will come again, but not to deal again with our sins. This time He will come bringing salvation to all those who are eagerly and patiently waiting for Him. Well, wait a minute. Where's all the stuff about judgment? What do you mean judgment? (laughs) The temple in heaven is covered with blood. I mean, mercy sakes, they, 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 they painted it red. Don't you remember Isaiah says, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Well, where Jesus, as your high priest is, all the time, when you come in there for prayer and you get on your knees and say, Lord, I, have, I need help. I need help with this or that or whatever. The walls in heaven are covered with blood over the mercy seat. You are so welcome there. I want to go into the 10th chapter, but we'll make that for the next, the next service. The 10th chapter is like, hallelujah, come boldly, you know. We're in there to the Holy of Holies. Well, I didn't see anything in that ninth chapter about scaring me where I can't sleep. And I'm so scared I don't want to meet Jesus. Oh, I want to meet Him, praise the Lord. He did all this for me. Father, we thank You. By Your stripes we're healed.
If we're sick today, not feeling good, whatever it may be, you'll just make it well for us. Lord, also, if we're hurting financially, whatever the trouble may be, you'll take care of that. You're the same God concerning that. We have all your promises there. Lord, if it's just something maybe I didn't mention or whatever, but something's on our heart, we're dealing with something that might be scaring us or just some trouble that might be down the road, Lord, we roll that burden over on you. And you said, cast thy burden upon the Lord and you shall sustain us. So, Lord, that doesn't leave anything left but what, like you told us last time, go tell others how great you are to us. And that's what we're going to do in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise the Lord.